0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, December 4th, 2016. When God Interrupts, Zachariah and John.
1: On June 1st, my husband suffered a traumatic brain injury and what followed was three ER visits, three long hospital stays, two brain surgeries, two stays at Inhab rehab over the next four months. Through all this, God ministered to me, sending many angels to help comfort me, take care of everyday necessities, and pray for my husband, my family, and myself. God repeatedly reminded me in prayer, through sending messages, songs, comments from friends, co-workers, and even strangers that he was in control and that I needed to trust him. His message at times arrived unexpectedly. In late August, walking into the hospital, I headed into the same revolving doors I had entered hundreds of times. I noticed the sign, Do Not Push. Isn't it amazing how God finds you and speaks to you, especially when you're so caught up in what's going on, you forget to lean on him and listen to his voice. When I enter the revolving doors, I'm forced to slow down and walk more slowly. Spirit was reminding me to take it easy, take a deep breath, to not push myself, to not anticipate what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. Just take it day by day. After that, Every time I saw that sign, I smiled. Do not push. Another day, early in September, I was praying in the car on the way to the hospital, asking for forgiveness for not always leaning on him nor looking to him for support when I was upset. I was thinking, I need to put time with him at the top of my list. When the car beeped at me, telling me I was almost out of gas, Spirit spoke loudly and clearly, when you don't keep your focus on God, you end up running on empty. I had to smile and thank God for keeping it real. God is faithful and never left my side, even when my attention wandered away. His healing powers have brought my husband home and are also restoring my physical and emotional health, which suffered from all the stress. God entered into our family tragedy and transformed it into opportunities to grow closer to him. Praise God.
2: Mm. Praise God. This Advent season, the season of preparation for the coming of Christ the season of getting ready for Christmas, our focus is on how God interrupts. More specifically, how God um, interrupted during that first Christmas, interrupted people's lives in order to prepare them for the coming Savior, the one who would be born in Bethlehem.
0: Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones.
2: I'm Alan Jones. I thought you were good. I thought you, first service you didn't do it that way. You I surprised didn't. me. No.
0: I'm, I'm a woman of surprises.
2: Uh, no argument there.
0: So the reason why I was pausing is because I did share at the 8.30 service that um, my family were asking for your prayers. My dad is transitioning probably this week from here to glory. And, um, you know, it's uh, a God interruption that is, uh, timing is interesting. But, you know, God is good. Dad's a believer. But we're asking for prayers for our family so I thank you ahead of time for all that. And um, I don't, you know, it's all in God's hands. So we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for today. You have everything in your mind already. And you've got your plan that is absolutely perfect. Forgive me for trying to manipulate that plan as many of us often try to um, be in charge. So Lord, you are an awesome God, and you do interrupt our lives in challenging ways and in awesome ways. Help us learn today from Zechariah and from John as we delve into the way that you interrupted uh, them and the lesson that you have for each one of us. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody who gathered said, "Amen."
2: Amen. And so we begin this morning with one of the lesser-known participants in the Christmas story. His name is Zechariah. At least the New International Version uses that name. Some other versions give him the name of Zachariah, with an A, and or Zacharias. But however you spell his name, this man was a priest. And according to Bible scholar William Barclay. Uh, he was a priest as a direct descendant from Aaron, who was Moses' brother, who was, the, this is the priestly line. And, uh, and so if you're in that line, you're automatically a priest. Uh, the result of that automatic priesthood for Aaron's descendants meant that the priest market was pretty saturated in that area at that time. As, uh, they say as many as 20,000 priests at that time in that place. Uh, what that meant was that only three times a year during the important Jewish festivals did all the priests get to serve. Was there enough work for them to do? For the rest of the year, they would serve two one-week periods. And we thought, you know, being a, a preacher was a good deal just working Sunday mornings, man. Two, two weeks a year, that's a pretty good gig, don't you think? Just saying.
0: Well, the priestly duties d- different than how we handle things they were assigned by casting lots. Casting of lots was when they took marked sticks or stones and threw them into a small area and then looked at it and tried to interpret a message from God. From that, I mean, that just sounds kind of wild, but it's kind of like throwing dice. And so they believed that God revealed his will through the casting of lots, and there are several occasions in Scripture where we see that.
2: Okay. And so one of the assigned duties for the priests... In fact, one that had great honor was to burn incense on the altar, uh, incense altar in the temple on behalf of the people. Now, with so many priests, it was very possible for a priest to never in their lifetime have that privilege of burning the incense. But if one did get to do it, it was was the greatest day of their life. As Barclay puts it, it, it would be the day that that priest longed for, the day that he dreamed of. And so Zechariah's day came. He, he was the, uh, the, uh, the incense priest of the day, so to speak, and, and that did turn out to be the greatest day of his life, but it had a whole lot more to do with something other than incense, which we're going to look at in a few minutes.
0: The incense was burned in the inmost of the temple. They didn't have a gathering like this, but there were temples and there were rooms. And so the inmost part was called the court of the priests. And while the priest was there, the rest of the congregation would be in a different room called the court of the Israelites, according to Barclay. And so after the incense had been burned, the priest would come to the rail in between the two rooms, between the two courts and bless the people, And on this particular day, the people wondered why Zechariah was taking so long to come out. Well, check this out. Here's why. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord.
2: Mm. Apparently, angels look a little different in real life than they, the way we portray them in our Christmas pageants, plays, and parades. Because growing up in our church pageants, and maybe yours was the same, the angels were all these the little girls, blonde hair usually, with the little white robe and the little gold tinsel halo. Can I get an amen from anybody on this? Yeah, that's because all the boys were used up being shepherds and, uh, and wise men, right? Anyway, so, so picture that. We see angels several times in this Christmas story, and each time they cause fear. A little girl and a little white thing with the little… doesn't usually cause fear, right? So, they apparently look a little different in real life. And, 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 and the fear, they're, they're assured each time by the angel to fear not, to not be afraid. And, and, and just like in this case with Zechariah, you know, their fear and the angel tells them to fear not. Uh, and, and then, and then they bring the person a message, uh, some kind of news. In fact, good news—a good news message. In this case, the message is that Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, is going to bear him a son. Wow! And, and they're going to call this, this child John. And, and this child would would be a joy and a delight, one who many would rejoice for he would be great in the sight of the Lord. Wow, that's, a, that's an awesome message coming from that angel.
0: So why is this so important? Why did the angel need to deliver this particular news to Zechariah? Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were childless. They were also very old at the time. They thought that they would never have children. Their hopes and dreams of that were gone. And on that day, in that time, in that particular culture, to not be able to bear a child for a woman was an absolute tragedy. In fact, for a woman to not be able to give birth in that culture was humiliating to say the least. And according to Barclay, it was even grounds for divorce.
2: Mm. In addition... Uh, not just a child, but this this wasn't going to just be any child. Here's how the angel of the Lord describes who this child will be to the child's father, Zechariah, Luke 1:15b through 17. He, this child is is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And, and, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord.
0: This child is John, John the baptizer, the one who years later would, pre- would prepare the way for the Lord. He would give a message of repentance to the people telling them that the one who was coming after him that was the one who would be the savior of the world it was the same john who would baptize by water but also say the one coming after him would be the one whose sandals john was not even worthy to untie and the one coming after him would be the one to baptize with the holy spirit This child who John promised, or who the angel promised Zechariah that day, was Jesus. Hmm.
2: Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, (laughs) and my wife is well along in years. So he's wondering, how, Lord, how, how, how can this be? This doesn't make sense to me. And when I can't figure it out, then I'm not just not sure it's going to happen is basically what Zechariah is saying. I think Zechariah speaks for you and me in this little verse here. Because how often have, have we wanted something, hoped for something, longed for something, and then when the Lord puts it in the realm of possibility, we poo-poo it because we can't figure out how it could happen. How often has God given you the possibility of exactly what you were hoping for, only to have you question how it could possibly be done? I think back to when both of us were in seminary, four kids, four churches between us. It didn't make sense. It's abs- in fact, it was absolute insanity to even consider it. Couldn't figure out on our part how it was going to work. <laughs> but God was there, and as we say here so often with God— All things are possible, and it did work in spite of us.
0: In spite of us. Because God was there. So, the question among a number of questions that we're going to ask today is, is this What is it in your life that you're hoping for, that you're longing for, that is only possible with God's help, that is only possible with God's vision, with God's power? And what are you going to do when God gives you that opportunity? How will you respond to take it from possibility to reality? Are you going to be faithful or fearful? That's a million-dollar question. Faithful or fearful? Remember the words of the angel Gabriel. He said, fear not. Here at church for... A number of years now, we have been hoping for a building on the land up on 301, just a couple miles from here, a land that was bought almost 10 years ago. And along the way, there seems to be one obstacle after another, one absolutely humongous roadblock that has caused lots of angst. And even with all that, God has shown miracle after miracle after miracle. And with every single miracle that has happened, where roadblocks that were unimaginable have been removed, we still seem skeptical because we cannot see all the way down the road. You see, we want to see all the way down to the nth degree, every single detail. How is it going to work out? And so even though God's in our midst and we see miracles, we still ask, but God, how can it be?
2: <laughs> how can it be? In addition, sometimes when we talk to God, we wonder if God's hearing us. We, we don't seem to hear from God. We don't hear back, it seems, You know, Zechariah, he got a visit from an angel. Don't you just sometimes say, God, why don't you let an angel visit me and tell me exactly what it's going to be? Wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't that make things easier? I mean, Zechariah got an angel. Why not you? Why not me? Of course, the funny thing is, Zechariah got an angel, told just how it was going to be, and Zechariah still wasn't happy, was he? He still wasn't satisfied. He still said, how can it be? So apparently, even when God puts it right there in our face, it still isn't enough, is it? Funny how that happens.
0: The amazing thing about this story uh, about Zechariah is how God orchestrated this whole encounter of the thousands of priests. Remember, there was a surplus of priests back in the day. Who could have been chosen to burn incense? It was Zechariah that was chosen to be in that place in that particular day. God saw to it. Zechariah was the man on that particular day, at that particular time. That's when Zechariah was alone in that inner place, in the inner temple, where God could interrupt and deliver the important message. God was able to interrupt Zechariah's life without interruption. And even then, Zechariah was skeptical.
2: It's a good lesson for us. If we want to hear from God, it's unlikely that's going to happen when we're busy, when things are noisy, when we're in a crowd. Throughout the Scripture, and especially in the Christmas story, God shares, God interrupts when people are quiet, when they're alone, when God can be heard, when the people can recognize God's voice in their lives. Are you having trouble hearing from God? Maybe you need to set aside some quiet time, some alone time, some one-on-one time with God. It's hard to hear anyone's voice in the midst of uh, our daily chaos. And that's especially true when it comes to the voice of God. We encourage you to take some time to listen, to give yourself the chance to hear what God's trying to talk to you about.
0: I actually think that that's one of the most heard questions that we have. How do I know? How do I hear God? We're going to delve into that after Christmas in January with a Wednesday night segue called the divine mentor and in that five-week study we'll get some tools in how to listen and how to hear god see when god does speak to us god really wants us to listen but when we listen to also believe and be faithful check out what happened to zachariah when he questioned how God could give him and his wife a baby as old as they were. (laughs) The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words. Which will come true at their appointed time, mm. So a preacher, a priest:
2: Without we, a voice.
0: Without a voice.
2: And some of you going, Sounds like a heck of an idea, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when Zechariah finally did come out after burning the incense, the, the people who had wondered why he was taken so long realized that he had seen a vision. A, as they could tell, he was unable to speak as he was trying to use some kind of, I don't know, sign language to try and tell him what happened. That must have been interesting.
0: Especially when he tried to describe the angel.
2: I don't know how you do it. And true to what the angel Gabriel had said, Zechariah was silenced until it came time. He was told the child's name would be John, so he shared that with the people by writing it on a tablet. The child's name will be John. And, and when he did that, he was able to speak. And by the way, that name John has an interesting meaning. It means Yahweh is gracious. The Lord God is gracious. Yeah. And
0: so God interrupted the lives of Zechariah and of Elizabeth with a child much later in their years. It was a wonderful interruption for them and a crucial interruption for the Kingdom of God. In fact, this child, John, John the Baptizer, he was actually a great interrupter himself. He challenged people. He confronted them. He held people accountable as he baptized them in the name of the Lord.
2: Mm -hmm. Follow along in your Bibles here, uh, Luke 3, 7 through 16a. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized, "Them, you brood of vipers. I'd just like to hear that when they're getting preached to. You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees, and..." and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then, the crowd asked.
0: John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, What should we do? He replied, Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie.
2: So, if you want some fire and brimstone preaching, you want some turn or burn preaching, John the Baptist is the guy for you. Amen? Yeah. He
0: could probably clear a church. He,
2: he, he was hardcore. You see, the people were waiting for a Messiah, weren't we? We talked about that last week. They've been waiting for 700 years. I mean, those people hadn't been waiting for 700, but over 700 years. The people had been looking because of what the uh, prophets, Isaiah and others, had shared. They were waiting and looking and expecting a Messiah. and, And they wondered if it might be this John guy who was preaching so powerfully. But as John made clear, he wasn't the Messiah. Just like none of us is the Messiah. We may have a Savior complex, but none of us is the Messiah. Each of us has a role to play pointing to the Messiah, and just like he had a role to play, preparing for the way of the Messiah to get people ready for the coming Christ, to be the voice of one calling in the wilderness. And the question for you this morning, are you ready? Because Jesus is coming. And, and, and when John was talking about fruit here, what do you say a tree that doesn't produce fruit is going to be cut down and thrown in the fire? So what kind of fruit are you producing? Is it, is it uh, in the various areas of your life, is it non-kingdom fruit of the flesh? Fruit that is toxic, fruit that is deadly? You know, in the words of Paul in the book of, of Galatians, he talked about these things, this kind of fruit, fruit of immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, selfishness, envy, drunkenness, dissension. It's not the kind of fruit that we're supposed to be producing, isn't it? That's, that fruit's toxic. That fruit's deadly. That fruit kills. Of course, you are producing kingdom fruit, kingdom fruit, fruit, fruit of the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, Again, Paul and Galatians talk about this fruit, the fruit of love, the fruit of joy, of peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, the Holy Spirit, fruit of self-control. If John asked you, if, if you are repentant, if you're sorry for your sin and seeking a new direction, what, what would you say? And what advice would John give to you? Now, John was there to prepare the way for the Lord. How is God asking each of us to prepare the way in our hearts for the coming of Jesus Christ this year? How is God asking you to live differently to make room for the child born in Bethlehem? Are are you ready for God to interrupt your life this Christmas? season. To, to give you some, some unexpected opportunities, maybe God-sized opportunities to be the hands, the feet, the voice of Jesus Christ. Do you have some quiet God time in your schedule? So that you might be able to hear when God calls you. When God tries to interrupt you with some good news. And when God does get your attention, when God does interrupt, when you finally hear what God has to say, how will you respond? What will you say? What will you do in response to God's call on your life this Christmas season? Let's pray. Holy God. John was a pistol. <laughs> he interrupted some lives. You interrupt lives. Please give us courage and strength as you interrupt our lives this Christmas season with opportunities to be the hands, feet, voice of Christ. Lord, we look to you for all things, especially strength and courage. Please give us uh, some quiet moments so we can hear your voice as you call, so that we can hear those interruptions, where you're leading, where you're calling, where you're directing us. Please help us this uh, Christmas season to be unlike any we've known before, that we might now know you in a new and different way, and help us to share what we know with those around. Please help us to remember that we aren't the Savior. But like John, we're here to prepare the way and to share the good news with everyone we meet. We ask these things in the name of the Father and Son, and Holy Spirit, everyone gathered here this morning said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church. Connecting people with Jesus in the life.